Hello, and thanks for joining us at Just Chatting. The information presented in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a professional relationship with either Dr. Tara Mormon or Dr. Irene Kirshnerman. Thanks for listening. So our session kind of started, our, our chat kind of started before I hit record, but um, it started to sound good, so let's let's pick it up. Cool. Well, hi, Irene. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Let's talk communication. <laughs> so we, we um, to fill everybody else in on how... <laughs> where we, we decided to hit record, I was telling you a story about um, my daughter and how this cute communication and, and impressive communication she had with, with her little friend. And I guess to give a quick version, she did something that hurt his feelings. He told her that he didn't like it when she was mean to him. She said, I'm sorry. And he said, thank you for apologizing. And it was it struck me as such a mature conversation for two, three-year-olds to have. And I guess you were, you were about to talk about how kind of our expectations of communication as adults. Right. Um, what I was thinking is um, I was thinking about shame actually and how, you know, we, we get this buildup over time from when we're little tiny about who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to look like, what, how our parents communicate and all of that as well. But I think especially the who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to look like and how we are supposed to feel about what we present to the world. And I think mixed up in there, um, we end up with tendrils of shame and, um, uh, a lack of clarity about who we are and just, just kind of this ball of I'm not sure and I'm not sure I'm good enough and I'm not sure I like it. And I think when those things get balled up and we're faced particularly with a situation where maybe we hurt somebody, in the, it, it can be really hard to communicate directly about that because in the hurting of another person, I'm, I somehow reinforce my internal confusion about who I am and whether I'm good enough. So it, beca- it can become really hard to just say, as Bella did, I'm sorry that I did that. It gets laced with a whole bunch more complication. Right. I was thinking about, because I was pushing the swings as this conversation was happening behind them. And I was thinking, what would this have sounded like if this were, these were two adults having this conversation? <laughs> Two healthy adults? Well, let's not get crazy. Two averagely healthy adults. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the kind of your remarkably average person. Um, and I could have seen it go differently. I, I could have seen the little boy saying, you know, you did this and you did that and you, you, you. Instead right. of when he approached it from, I didn't like the, how that felt when you did that. Yeah, he owned his feelings. Yeah. 
And he didn't accuse her of anything. He just said, mm -hmm. I don't like it when you're being mean to me. And if an adult was hearing you did this and you did that, then she probably, or she could have said as a, would have likely said as an adult, I was not mean to you and gotten all defensive. And I did this because you did that and started justifying her mm -hmm. actions and, and making it about how it felt to her to be accused of being mean as opposed to how it felt to him and what he was telling her, which is, I didn't like the way it felt to be around you in that moment. Right. And, and hi, Sophie. Um, and from kind of the point of view of her, she just went, oh, well, I'm sorry I caused that feeling for you or, or something that I did led that to that feeling for you. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. You really heard what he said. Right. You didn't make it about you. Yeah. yeah. And then in return, he could, you know, it would have, two adults would probably have huffed and puffed and, and justified their own perspectives and then probably not spoken for a while. And he just went, well, thank you for acknowledging that. And that, and that was it. That was all he really wanted is for her to know that he didn't like that. Mm -hmm. It was just cool. But yeah. as, a, as adults, I think we, we would have handled that differently. We would have been accusatory. You do this and you do that. We would have been defensive. Yep. And we were, um, or I might, you know, as the hurt, as the person who was hurt, I might not even, I might not even say anything. Right. You know, I see this happen a lot with my clients. We just, we just don't bring it up. You know, oh, I was hurt, but I, I don't, um, I'm not allowed to say something. I'm not worthy of saying something. I'll be misunderstood. Nobody will hear me. All of these kind of ideas that are floating inside. So I just won't say anything and rather I'll sit here on my swing and build resentment about it and eat my, or eat myself up about it or blame myself for it. And the other person may not ever know, you know, and, and I think that this is really, I've been talking to people a lot about radical honesty and um, honest self-expression in a relationship and how that, allows a relationship to continue and grow. Whereas if I just don't ever tell you if I'm hurt or I don't ever tell you that I like something, you don't, we don't get to grow in relationship because you don't know me. Right. But you know, yeah, I was that what you just said about, I would never know if you didn't tell me because and, and because of that, our relationship would either halt or kind of get lost completely. I mean, mm -hmm. I've, I've had friendships, you know, some, some more recently that went from being what I thought was a close, good relationship to something that is completely non-existent anymore. And I have no idea why. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I have speculations, I have guesses, and I've even asked, you know, we've, we've even had a conversation uh, about relationship. Um, but 
at the end of the day, I really feel like I uh -huh. have no clue as to what happened and if I, you know, why this person has opted to exit my life. I respect her decision, but, it, it, you know, I think, I think we do that. I think we don't, we're afraid to be honest with people about how, how we feel about things they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was, I was just thinking about uh, doing improv and how, um, if you if we approached the stage like that if we approached improv like that where i i'm not going to say to you what i feel or think about what's going on right now the the scene stops there's you can't do anything if two people are not communicating and i think that that really that spreads you know that can that can be spread out into our normal human human interactions if I, if i don't express to you where i am you don't know and and things ground it, it can ground everything to a halt and maybe the relationship ends up ending or you know somebody ends up ghosting or maybe you end up wandering around in a house with somebody for 20 years mm. yeah. going nowhere you know and living in separate bedrooms and uh <laughs> all the things that um can happen in a marriage that nobody's nobody can nobody can even say I want this to end right yeah and you bring up an interesting point of what what are what is it that we're taught along the way and, and you know I've got a personal stake in understanding how we teach children bad habits right now because <laughs> I'm trying to raise mm -hmm. a healthy human um, what are the messages that we get along the way that communicate it's not okay to tell somebody how you feel because they'll be mad at you or they'll leave you or, or whatever what what do you what where does that message come from <laughs> uh that's a big question i guess yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I always um, return to, I return first to the original tribe, right? To our original, our, our family of origin and what were the messages in our families about is conflict okay? Um, is expressing hurt okay? Is, it, is that a sign of weakness for me to say that something you said hurt me? Um, you know, and I, I oof. I think it starts there and then we continue to learn as we step out onto the playground and we watch, we watch what's okay around our tribe of people, you know, our new, our new little crew, what's okay and what's not and how am I going to be accepted and how am I not? And all those little beings have their different lessons that they bring to their new, you know, to their new monkey bar classroom. Oh, I love that term, the monkey bar classroom. That so resonates with me right now. <laughs> Put a copyright or something on that business because I don't know where that one came from, but yeah. They and you know it's the monkey the monkey bar classroom leads then to the cafeteria classroom in middle school or whatever, and we just 
keep layering on over the top of those original messages. And we're having these, you know, these little people are coming from different families of origin where different messages are happening and then they have to work that business out. Um, it's very, it's all very interesting to me. It is. It is very fascinating how we, we all learn to communicate and and I, I'm trying to be mindful, me personally, about when my daughter comes to me and says, mommy, what you said to me made me really very sad. Mm. And she has done that a couple of times. And it's usually around something that she got in trouble for. Like she, mm -hmm. she didn't do what she was asked to do or she wasn't listening when she really needed to be listening. And she comes to me and gets, you know, a, a stern talking to or whatnot. And um, she'll come to me and say, mommy, that made me so very sad that you said that. And I, I'm trying to be mindful of saying to her, well, you know what? I'm sorry that you're sad. And I understand that you're sad. And I'm glad you told me that you're sad and you're allowed to be sad. That's something that mommy said. Mm -hmm but I still have to say it because you weren't listening, were you? And she says, no. And I said, well, you not listening made me kind of, made me sad. So how about you listen and then I'll listen too. Is that a deal? And she went, deal. Okay, I think we're getting somewhere. Right. But Acknowledging feelings and still pointing out the the piece of the message that still needed to be said. I acknowledge this, but, but, but having that said to you made you sad. And so I love that. I like the, you know, the and piece of it. Right. Um, and I think about, I think about you, I think about um, my friends here who have children and how they communicate with their kids. And I think about how different that is um, to, to my experience as a child. Um, and I think a lot of the, a lot of the folks that are, you know, in our age group may have some similar experiences. We were, I, I'll stay with I, um, you know, I was, I was told things like, if, if I was crying, I'll give you something else to cry about. You know, it's not okay to cry. And it didn't matter. I couldn't identify, I couldn't tell you what I was said, what was said to me or what had upset me. But I was told that my feelings were not, if my feelings got to a certain point, they were troublesome and should be stopped. So I wasn't allowed to feel. And I don't remember being allowed to express that something my parents said to me hurt my feelings or any kind of, I wasn't really allowed to be super honest in relationship with my parents. You know, my parents were also alcoholics. And that's, you know, that's kind of the group of people that I work with now. They're alcoholics whose parents were alcoholics. Mm -hmm. And uh, communication is just, um, it gets so twisted because so many things are not allowed. Right. See, I, in um, my family, respect your parents was like the overarching of everything. So you, mm. didn't, you didn't question anything if, if if it was said it was said and that was what you accepted and moved on and and so i rem you know i remember 
instances of expressing myself where I was told like, get over it. And, and, and that's it. Like, I don't really don't care. Mm -hmm. That's not my, you know, it's your job to feel, to deal with that. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm mindful of when I talk to, to my daughter of, you know what? No, it's okay. I want you to come tell me. And every time she tells me that she's sad, I say, thank you for telling me. Even yeah. if I'm not even quite clear what it is she's sad about, because she still kind of has a hard time with that. It, that's not mm -hmm. the point. The point is it's okay. And when I was talking to her yesterday, um, I was talking to her yesterday about play the, the monkey bar classroom. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the playground rules. And I said, you know, when someone's being kind to you, I need you to speak to them kindly. And that means don't yell in their face. And that means don't pull them. And that means if they've asked you to let go of them, to let go of them. And that was all I was going to say that initially, like you need to be kind. And then I stopped and I went, wait, no, that's not all there is to this lesson. And I said, but you know what? If someone is doing something that you don't like or is being mean to you, you can tell them to stop and you can walk away from them. And if they're not listening, you can raise your voice because you need to be able to tell somebody if you don't like what they're doing. Because I realized what I had accidentally done by leaving out that second piece was, hey, I'm indoctrinating her to pull up, put up with other people's crap. Yes. And to, yeah, yes. And put to, up with others, other people's crap and caretake. Yeah. And to be kind at all costs. And I'm like, wait, no, that's not all I want her to know. I want her to know that you don't yell into your, your friend's face or if your friend is trying to talk to you nicely you don't say to them why are you talking to me which is something she did yesterday <laughs> Ooh, ouch yeah you have to know my daughter if you're listening this is this is a force to be reckoned with she is um she is a strong-willed little girl um so I'm, it, it really is an interesting balancing act um so I'm like, that wasn't a nice thing, nice way to say to your friend that you don't want him to talk to you right now. Now you could have said to him, you know, I need a minute or I'm going to go rest for a minute, which she has started doing. And then she'll find a little corner and sit down for a few minutes. Um, or you could say, I don't feel like talking right now, but it's kind of like, how do you, I'm finding it hard to figure out how do you communicate something like that to somebody like when they're how do you nice how do you tell somebody no i don't want to talk to you right now <laughs> and it's such an interesting thing to not know how, to like realize that i don't do often enough to have that be fluent for me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i i'm in a in a group here and we have we have a list of agreements, and um, these things they they're so wonderful. One of the agreements is ask for what you need, and so we practice in this group asking for what we need. And if that means asking for 
a little space before we communicate something, then that's what we do. And it's a really, the agreements are really, really simple and make all this, and make perfect sense. And again, coming back to all of the indoctrination that we've all had growing up, however many years we've been growing up, um, just simply asking, being, being direct with what you need. Like, you know what? I would love to hear what you have to say. And in this moment, I really need to take a minute for silence. Can I come back to you? Is so hard. It is. Because it, I think that we have some really interesting messages about what it means to say, basically what it means to say yes and no right? And no being, I can't talk to you right now. I need a minute. Um, we have the, I think there are some lessons in there that we've learned around, you know, maybe it means when I say no, it means that I, um, it means that I'm rejecting you and I don't like you. And when I say yes, it means that I, I like you and everything's wonderful. When in fact, when I say no, or I say I need a minute, that all I'm saying is I'm un unable or unwilling to be here at this time. It has nothing to do with you right it's 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 just it's where I am I'm speaking about my ability to be present in this moment does that make sense it does it does and it's, it's just as you're sitting here talking and I'm you know flicking around in my own head it, it's such a difficult thing to negotiate that I've never even thought about how difficult that is to negotiate. Um, and, and, and both from both, from both sides of it, like from both from saying no or feeling like I can't say not right now or how it feels to say not right now. Like one interesting thing that's, that's happened um, since this, you know, the addition of this, other person in our lives since my daughter um, I used to be fully available to my husband to at all times when we were both home and if he wanted to tell me something or talk about something okay fine whatever it is you want at any time at any moment and I was okay with that I had plenty of energy for that it was there was no resentment around it and now there's this other person in in my life who needs my attention. Um, and there's the fact that I'm doing a lot more things. And there are times when I have to say to this man who is very used to having my undivided attention, I can't talk to you about this topic right now. Mm -hmm. And particularly around things like um, conflicts that are going on in, in our, in both our lives, um, or issues or you know silly little not silly that's dismissive i'm sorry um seemingly minor um issues at work like not, nothing major like uh, who's going to be responsible for what kind of stuff and mm -hmm. i'll look at him and go i can't talk to you about this right now and i feel horrible saying it and I don't know, honestly, now in self-reflection, I don't know whether it's because I feel really bad saying it or he looks so shocked to hear it. <laughs> mm. Or both. Or both. Mm. But it, 
it really is, you know, in self-reflection in this moment, kind of interesting to think about how hard it is for me to say to him, I can't discuss this right now. As much as you want to, as much as you feel you need to, I don't have energy available for this conversation at this moment. And then I feel like I'm not meeting his needs, which is something I quote unquote should be doing. It's interesting. Right. Coming back to those, yeah, those lessons, those lessons that we've learned. Do you, the lessons of caretaking for somebody else. Yeah. 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 That it's your responsibility to take care of his feelings and where he's at in space right now. Um, Is that a gender thing? I'm not, I was just sitting here thinking, do, I, do we want to generalize to gender? Um, I, I think that to some degree it is. Yeah, I do. I think to some degree it is. Um, gender, just generations upon generations upon generations of, uh, of training that women primarily, and I know there are male caretakers out there, but women primarily are, are the caretakers of the, of the clan, right? The emotions and the physical needs and everything but hunting down the lion. That's, that's what we do. Um, and I think it takes a lot of trust and practice in a, in a relationship, whether it's a friendship, a marriage, whatever, a lot of trust and practice to communicate, um, to communicate honestly, right? I need to be able to trust that you, the person I'm communicating with, can take care of your own feelings around what I'm saying. And I need to trust that I am taking care of my feelings in the best way for me and in a way that is still respectful and, um, and caring toward you. It's a lot. It's it's just so much. All while and making we're out dinner, of make, yeah. All while making dinner, being aware of the three-year-old going, "Mommy, mommy, 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 where's the dog? Did we pay the bill?" <laughs> you know, all all the million of other things that go on in our heads at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I I really really you know I think about how. Um, how much practice we have uh, doing things a particular way. So how much practice we have communicating in a way that is not always honest um, for our various reasons, right? All the reasons that we do, all the reasons that we soften things, all the reasons that we hide things, all the reasons that we communicate the way we do. We have all this practice in doing it this way and layers and layers and layers of messages in reinforcing us for doing it this way. And so coming to a place where we can sit on the swings together at 49 and 45 or 44 or 43 or 50 and say, wow, it, I was really hurt when you did that. And have the other person say, I'm sorry that what I did hurt you is huge because we've practiced so long and over generations doing it different ways. Yes. Yes. And it gives me hope that these little 
these two guys had that conversation that maybe the messages that we're sending are a little different now. I'm hoping I don't mess that up. <laughs> but, right. um, you know, it, it's hopeful for sure. But we, we are very well indoctrinated in... And lack of honest communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And acknowledging somebody's feelings, even if you don't acknowledge their point of view. Right. And that's, I think that's a really important point right there. The, there's kind of, I think, a lingering idea that if I acknowledge that you're hurt, I'm, I'm signing on right. with you, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm co-signing whatever this is when in reality, no, I'm just, I'm just acknowledging that you're hurt. I'm empathizing with your pain. Right. And, and that, um, you know, that makes me think about conflicts in which somebody says to you, what you're doing is really unkind and you're really hurting my feelings. And we feel like if we say, you know what, I acknowledge that I, that, that I, I'm sorry your feelings are hurt, that then the other person's expectation is that you will then stop doing those things. Right. And that if you continue to do something that they have told you has hurt your feelings, it's because you don't care or you're mean or you're unkind or you're deliberately hurting them there's not really a space where you can say, I'm sorry, your feelings are hurt, but that doesn't change what I feel I need to do. Right. What do you do with that? Oh, oh so hard. <laughs> so hard. Yes. Ooh. You know, yeah, it feels so hard. Everybody I, at that point, I think it, it feels really bad for everybody at that point because you can you know you can empathize with their pain you can understand why they're feeling the way they're feeling but you may not be able to do anything you may not be able to give them what they're asking for right or maybe you are able and you're simply not willing which you know that's legit. yeah yeah not willing yeah, not I totally could give you this cup of tea and I am unwilling to do so at this time because I need a nap rather than having tea with you. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is so tough. And I think that there's a, a space there where um, I really, as the person that's, as the person that say, uh, uh, the person that has the, the um man i'm hold on i'm losing my ability to speak hold on mm -hmm. um if i'm the person that's sort of denying the other person like if i'm the person with the tea but i am unwilling or unable to share it mm -hmm. i really i have to be solid in myself to be able to hold that to be able to hold that boundary in the face of the emotions of another person that's an that's a big piece of this i believe you know yeah i have to have a really good sense of me 
and some pretty strong self-esteem to be able to say no, protecting my own boundary, whatever that is, in the face of someone else's difficult emotion. That's tough. Mm-hmm. That is tough. And that's, that's something that I, I, I work with clients on a lot. Um, I have a lot of clients that stay in sober homes. And so are, you know, are not only trying to get better themselves, but are in space with some really different personalities and so many layers of, um, of, of function and dysfunction. And often are trying to set boundaries with folks where it, it does, you know, it, it comes across to the other person and, and is hurtful for some reason, probably because of the way they were treated when they were growing up or whatever. And to be able to hold that boundary in a compassionate and respectful way for, for themselves and for the other person so hard. What's pinging in my head over this is going back to something you said a little bit ago of, is this okay? Is it okay for me to do something that makes you unhappy? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Is it? And and you know what? It is. (laughs) It is. It is. Um, Recognizing that it is not my job. It is not my job to manage your emotions. Right. Is oh so oh so scary. So scary. <laughs> Isn't that interesting how freaked out both of us are by that concept? Uh yeah. that it somehow feels like we're not living up to our end of the bargain or our responsibility if we are not putting somebody else's feelings above our ours now yeah I, I was trying to explain to a client of mine a while back the difference between being selfish and being self-caring yeah and the way i put it and it kind of made sense to me then um is if you're putting your needs above somebody else's wants then you're self-caring but if you're putting your kind of higher level less important wants over somebody else's needs then that might fall under selfish what do you think of that hmm. yeah i think i think that sounds um that sounds legit. I've never, I've never thought of it that way before. Um, like for you, to use your tea analogy, if you want to have tea with somebody because you don't want to have tea alone, and I have a need for a nap because I'm tired and, and need to re- refresh for my next obligations, then me saying I want to go home and take a nap, I can't meet you for tea, is self-caring. I'm putting my needs above your wants. Mm -hmm. But if you're asking me for tea because you're feeling 
particularly in need of a conversation or you you're you need companionship because your your loneliness is overwhelming you or if it's kind of like an emotional need and you're a friend of mine and I care about that and mm-hmm. I want a nap because I'm a little tired but really it, it won't make or break my day if I don't get one and I say no I really don't care that you're sad and going through a loss or a grief I'm gonna go home and take a nap that might feel more selfish to me. Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense, and I can see also how, for a lot of folks, that can be really hard to determine it, what is a want and what is a need. Yes, that's the hard part, right? Yeah, I can you know, especially when you were saying nap, because man, I, there are times I just. All I want. No, there are times where that is a definitive need. Like my brain is short circuiting and I have this list of things that are still left in my day. And if I don't close my eyes and reboot my system for a little bit, then I, there's, I don't know how I'm going to get through the rest of my day. That is a need for a nap. I've been there. I know that need. I think that this stuff takes, um, just a willingness to self-reflect and do a lot of honest talking with myself, you know, and getting to really getting to know me. I think that a lot of folks, we run in our lives on autopilot and we do what we've practiced doing for a long time. And we think the way we've practiced thinking for a long time. And a lot of us are not really aware of what, what is the difference between a want and a need for me? And, when is it okay for me to say that that what sounds like a want to you is actually a need to me? That's another piece, right? What yes. your reflection of what I'm saying I need. If I'm, if I'm not getting real solid in myself, I could take your reflection and take and make that more true for me. Is that so? Yes. This stuff is, it, it, it seems like it should be, it, it sounds like, Oh, that's simple, right? I but have a need so that I'm pressing to you and it's so not, it is so not. Um, but I think, I think that we're diving into a lot honest communication. We're talking about, um, we're talking about boundaries. And for me, learning the fine art of saying yes and no, the fine art of knowing my wants and my needs, that's critical for me as an evolving human being. So then honest, radical honesty with others requires radical honesty with self. Yeah. Yep. And often the willing to, the willingness to step into so much discomfort, at least at the beginning. Yes. Unless you're little, because I think little kids, one, I think that parents as a whole and you particularly, um, I think parents, you guys are, y'all are practicing conscious parenting. Like you're real, you're so much more tuned in, I think, than, than my parents certainly were when I was young. I'm not saying they did not love me because I was super loved, but my parents were a little bit unconscious. And so I think with conscious parenting, um, combined with the kind of the innocence of childhood, 
there's not so much layering over the top of these little beings and they're able when taught, you know, if, if they're given the words, they're, they're able to communicate honestly about how they feel. Because they haven't yet been told that they shouldn't unless they're coming out of a, a family that, you know, is deliberately squashing them or indeliberately squashing them. Even. It's funny how often when I talk about some parenting choices that I'm making with my mom, she she gets this look on her face and says, we never thought about that. Right. Right. And, and she all, yeah. she has in the past told me I'm overthinking it and I'm being a little quote unquote, to, her, to use her words too much. Um, right. And, and I wonder sometimes if she's right or not, but um, yeah, there, there is definitely much more of a consciousness, I think. To parenting these days of like I wonder what's what's my daughter gonna tell her therapist about me one day that's a that's a frequent thought in my head yeah so. yeah and I don't think our parents wondered that no I did not I think in some ways my my parents uh probably figured if they got me through childhood alive that was pretty good like she lived through it it's okay. Uh, I think parents that I know nowadays go a little bit further than that. I mean, at least we all use seatbelts now. So. Right. Yes. My husband was uh, telling me that when he was little, it was because he, he had asked his mom, how did they transport the, them when they were little? And she said, we'd put a hamper um, a laundry hamper on the baseboards of the floor and we just put you in there. <laughs> yep. It's like, yeah. wow, we've come a long way. And here we are, you know, debating oh, yeah. whether a three-year-old should be forward facing or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're raising a, a generation of um, children who will grow into adults who are conscious. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, these two little people will continue to be the types of friends to each other who could sit on the swings and go, you hurt my feelings and I'm sorry about that. And thank you for acknowledging me. Um, yeah. It was funny, another thing that happened yesterday uh, on the playground, um, he, uh, I had given her little friend a cookie and, uh, and this may be a conversation for another day, but it was a cute little way of how communication, communicating indirectly to get what you want because you don't feel like you can ask. Um, he was, mm -hmm. I had given him a cookie and he had finished his cookie and I was reaching into the bag for, to eat a cookie myself. And he walks up to me and he shows me his hands all empty and he goes, I finished my cookie. <laughs> mm -hmm. As I'm reaching into the bag for, for, to take one. And I looked at his cute little face and I said, so does that mean that you want another cookie? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So I handed him another cookie and he literally jumped up and down and said, Irene, you're the best. I love you. <laughs> and it was, and, and like ran off with his cookie. And, I'm, and it was just such a pure communication of, 
I'm not sure it's okay to ask for another cookie, so I'm just gonna let you know that I'm open to you offering me one. And then mm -hmm. him, like, and I wasn't sure if I was the best because I gave him another cookie or because I understood that that was what he wanted and I got, I understood him. Like, I wasn't quite sure which it was, but apparently I have a fan. So, um, it was very cute, but it was like, okay, so you're already starting to wonder whether it's okay to ask for something. Uh-huh. Yep. And to be a little bit passive about whether I, how I get what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I made a point of saying, you know, if you want a cookie, you can always ask me for one. It really is okay. Um, but he's, he's a really cute, sweet little boy who is being raised very mindfully and, um, very lovingly. So we'll, we'll, we'll work on helping him figure it out. <laughs> oh. <sighs> I think there's a monkey bar playground or monkey bar classroom for moms as well. <laughs> I, I think we learn a lot about communication by by being at those parks. Yeah, we won't even get into communication between mothers because that's a whole other kind of uh, conversation. The dynamics of the playground. Hmm. But it definitely was interesting. So this was complete around this conversation. Me too. I think we, we've we've just chatted about um, about something that's pretty meaningful. So um, I guess I'll catch up with you soon. Yes. Okay. And we'll set another time. And um, I I am going. Are we still recording? Have you stopped? Uh, Does it matter? Hold on, let me, uh, let me stop recording. But if you're listening, thanks so much for listening, everyone. And we'll look forward to hearing any feedback you have about our conversation today. Take care. Thanks.